Hi, this is Trevor Jackson. Welcome to Tomorrow Is Mine. I invited today's guest onto the show after I saw a remarkable post he shared on LinkedIn last week. The post had an instant reaction on me, not only because of what the young man had achieved, but the way in which he expressed his gratitude and the emotion of his achievement, which just about leapt off the page as I read it. This is what the post said. If someone could have told me five years ago, as a garbage man, that I would have gone to university and completed a degree, I would have laughed at them. But here I am today. Completing an environmental science degree, majoring in environmental management and urban environments, is truly one of the proudest moments of my life. The amount of people who I've met on this journey who have in some way influenced me to not just challenge myself, but to also make a positive impact in the work that I do. Thank you to you all. Cameron Del Moro, that is quite a story. Congratulations and welcome to the show. How long ago did you graduate? I just graduated three weeks ago, actually. And how does that feel? What does that feel like? Yeah, lots of weight off my shoulders now. I don't have to do any more study for the time being, which is really good. I was working as well doing during my degree, so it's nice to be able to just come home and wind back and have to do anything. So. Well, you're a white-collar worker now, aren't you? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so. Part of the establishment. Yeah. When you were at school, you never ever thought about uni or... No, my... Um, well, my parents, my mother was a teacher, and, or is a teacher, and my dad's a carpenter. And they didn't really push me towards, I suppose, uh, tertiary education. They just, I was very sports orientated, played high level rugby and basically just progressed off that. I tried, I tried a few things out of school. So, if, if, sorry, during, during school, I tried creative subjects like music and visual arts. And unfortunately, with my HSC, it didn't really go too well because I didn't rank that high. So I think overall I scored 47 out of 100 of my HSC, which is like, yeah, it's because I, I knew I wasn't going to university. So I just picked subjects that I enjoyed rather than of their ranking. So you didn't really have any kind of ambition in terms of this is what I want to do. And like no. heaps of young people don't. I still didn't know what I wanted to do when I was in year 12. And you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life and trying to navigate school at the same exactly. time. Exactly. So I sort of followed in some respect to what my old man did. And I tried some trades outside of school. Um, I tried uh, plumbing for a year and electrical. And I did a bit of carpentry work as well. I um, did not like any of them. <laughs> I just yeah, got to the building sites and was just like, well, why am I here? Like, this is not for me. Obviously, it's for, it's for some people and that's great, great on them. But I just I kept doing it and thinking, you know, that I'd get a better result. But it just got the same result every time. So... I'm sort of grateful in a sense that I did do those sort of little jobs because I'm pretty good with hand tools and, you know, lots of mo motor skills with power tools and et cetera, et cetera. So, sure. Yeah. And also it told you what you didn't want to do. Correct, yes, <laughs> which was, which was be on a building site. So, yeah. so after you tried all those, what happened then? I ended up getting a gig at the Garbos with my brother. He was studying his master's at the time and um, he was a truck driver as well. So what was I, he studying his master's for? Um, languages. So you're both working as Garbos? Basically, yeah. He drove, and this is in Sydney, right? This is in Sydney, yeah. He gave me a lift down to work every day for about six months and then um, ended up getting my licence and started driving myself down there. And then um, 
I sort of gave that up for a bit and went and did a certificate four in um, small business management, I think it was. And Finished. what were you thinking? What was your I was thinking, thinking I was going to do like a little small business or something. I'm not too sure exactly what, but I knew I needed to get some sort of skill or some sort of paper behind me to, to, to recognise what I'm, what I'm trying to achieve. And then uh, that didn't work out again. <laughs> so I went back to the Garbos for about six months. And were you driving trucks or were you just an offside? I was, was, was offsiding to begin with. Yeah. Then I got my truck licence. Yeah, right. Um, and then I was driving the reloader trucks and yeah. the sidearm trucks. So. Were you still playing rugby at that time? Yes, I was, yeah. Yeah, because I remember it used to be a classic thing back in the days when I remember like rugby league players in Sydney when I was growing up there weren't paid a lot of money and a lot of them used to be Garbos as a job to supplement their careers and it kept them fit because they were always on the run, you know, like and lifting, you know, Correct, heavy yeah. bins and all that sort of in stuff. In uh, the old contract used to work and there was a few of them. Uh, there was a guy, Olsen Filipano. Yeah, played for yeah, Balmain. Played yeah. for Balmain, yeah. yeah he was I, a five eighth, wasn't he? Correct, yeah. yeah. So I, I worked with him and he still works there today. Really? Yeah, he's like over 60 years old now. Wow, so. and he's probably fit as a, a Oh, not really. He's sitting in the truck now. <laughs> <laughs> not too much now. No. He was a talented player. He was, yeah. yeah. So. But you were union. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I, played, I played league as well. I played dual until probably 22, 23, and okay. I'm 29 today. Yeah, right. So, so was there also a time in your life when you were thinking maybe union is a career for me that you might have a shot at? Well, or? in saying that, I so when I finished the, um, the, uh, the Garbos in 2014, I went overseas. I, I played rugby league in France, so I got a contract. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, um, that was in the centre of France, a place called Rouen, or Juan, for all the French people out there. Um, and that was good, really good experience. It was my first time by myself overseas, so really big culture shock and a bit of homesickness, but... Yeah, ended up pulling through and finishing the season and then travelling around Europe for a And how was your French? Uh, pretty now, ordinary? That, pretty, pretty crap now. It's, <laughs> it's all I was saying. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Yeah, right. So yeah. You, you just sort of muddled your way through it. Basically, yeah. yeah. I ended up get. I worked at McDonald's over there. Oh, jeez. And so that was... Um, Le Big Mac. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that especially in provincial parts of France, like if you don't speak French, they don't really have much time for it. Yes, you. exactly. And my, my town was about 40,000 people. So not many, spe- <laughs> not many people spoke English and... It was hard to pick it up because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, a good learning experience and a good Correct. personal growth yeah, experience. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. And then ended up travelling there for a couple of months, just doing Western Europe with mm. a mate. And then um, that was the August 2015. I, ca- I came back home and just basically picked up again at the Garbos. Um, did that for a year. Then I met my now wife, Jacqueline. Mm. Met her during that time. And then the following year, in the August 2016, um, I got an, a rugby union contract in England. Oh, really? So, wow. Yeah, yeah. So back overseas again? Back overseas again, yeah. yeah. Me and my partner went over. She's a teacher, so she taught in England. And I played footy and I uh, worked on building sites over there just to supplement my uh, <laughs> Wow. My Whereabouts in the UK was it? Uh, London. So were you thinking that it's still possibility that you might cut it as a, a top flight uh, player? I think I'm mediocre at best in Australia but there's so much talent in Australia that they try like people try and st- stick to making it in Australia rather than looking outside the square or the yeah. box I suppose yeah. and there's so much opportunity yeah it might not be the million dollar contracts but you can still make a good living and you're in a foreign country like you can like that's what I sort of use I use rugby as a platform to for them to pay for the majority of my stuff and then yeah life for, experience yeah exactly Fantastic. Yeah. yeah right so, so you're in the UK in London for 12 months 12 months correct yeah right okay. we just did little trips uh, throughout the year and then I ended up leaving the UK and got another rugby contract in Italy Sicily oh, 
<laughs> I'm amazed that you ended up in the career that you did. You could have just done this for the rest of your life, yeah. or at least as long as you could play footy. So I yeah, en- ended up spending another season there in Italy, which was good. I really enjoyed Italy in terms of I applied myself with the language because I wanted to sort of not do the- make the same mistake in France. So I ended up going to school in Italy, and I speak quite, quite good Italian now, which I'm proud of as that is my background. So. Yeah, it should be, yeah, yeah. Wow, so what a life. And whereabouts in Italy were you playing? Uh, Sicily. Sicily, sorry, right, Down okay. South. And obviously your partner, now wife, was with you. Correct. Still, and she was teaching there? Uh, she taught English there, and then she actually did three months in Africa just as a volunteering Man, so. what a life. You guys have lived. This is quite a journey. Yeah, and that was good because Sicily and Africa are basically right next to each other, so mm. it wasn't much of a, a toll on her as such, and... By the time she sort of was getting over it, it was time to leave anyway. So right, okay, because yeah, you know, pretty. I wouldn't say horrid conditions, but not um, conditions in terms of like you know you're in a bunk bed and you're you can only go out at certain times of the day and that sort of stuff and yeah, curfew. Right. So, but no, yeah, she right. really enjoyed, it and that was a I suppose a good in a way because we spent some time away from each other. Maybe good to recharge your batteries in a sense. Okay, right, and maybe affirm that you know you really do want to be together. Correct, yeah. And so, did you have to supplement your income when you were playing in Sicily as well? Uh, yes, I worked as a they call it a tutofare, which is like a handyman, but. A handyman over here is someone who fixes and like puts light bulbs on them. But they're over there, a handyman is like a tiler, a concreter, a carpenter, like all you sorts do of bits trades. of everything. Yeah, yeah, bits of everything. So yeah. I did that um, for the time I was there, and that was um, yeah, that was a good experience. It was, it was a bit difficult for the language because they speak in dialect, speaking Sicilian rather yeah. than Italian. So sort of like speaking. <laughs> Bogan and you know real proper English on the building site. So, <laughs> uh, and I'm thinking in Sicily, gee, you weren't uh, doing any uh, dodgy jobs for the mafia so oh, or anything like that, were you? No, <laughs> they. It was always paid in cash as well. That was quite funny. And, you know, it's it's yeah, it's a bit of a. It was a different a different world down there. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really did. Yeah, it was a, okay. a great time down there. Wow, I'm envious just hearing all these stories. Amazing. I had no idea when I invited you onto the show that it'd been such a colourful past history. And so after 12 months in Sicily and getting back together with your now wife. You came home again? Uh, We ended up travelling to America, did three months and did a road trip around America and then did another three months in Central and South America and then flew home from Chile. Jeez, wow, what a life. Okay. You come back home and then what? You still don't know what you want to do with your life? Well, during my time in Italy, um, I had a bit of downtime, so I did a bridging course through through Southern Cross I think where they just it was free it was a bridging course yeah where you can basically qualify to get entry into Correct, university yeah. and that's yes. what I did and I did that when I was in Italy and I got it like a, I completed the course and then um, halfway I think where was I I think I was in Mexico when I applied to get into Griffith and a couple of days later I got the the go-ahead to start at the start of 2019. Okay, so you're a Sydney boy. You've grown up in Ryde. Yeah. And you've travelled the world now. You're a very worldly young fellow. France, UK, Italy. But now you're deciding to study, firstly, a bridging course at Southern Cross on the Gold Coast. And then... Applied to come and study after that at Griffith on the Gold Coast. Why Correct. the Gold Coast? My partner's originally from the Gold Coast. Ah, oh, okay, so, right. Yeah, um, sort of. She converted you. Oh, so. in a sense, yeah. Just <laughs> Get out of Sydney. You don't want to go back there. <laughs> oh, you don't. You can't knock until you try it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. So. Yeah, had you spent any time here before that? I'm um, just on holidays, so yeah. I was used to the holiday mentality. Yeah, right. So. Okay. So you did the bridging course at SCU, but you ended up applying to Griffith. Why not SCU? Or they weren't offering. I the don't think they had the course that they that I was wanting to get into. Oh, which okay, is right. Environmental science and environmental management and urban urban. Okay. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, was there a decisive moment in your journey where you went, 
this is what I want to do. I mean, you said you had some downtime in Sicily and you yeah. did the bridging course. So did something happen in your life where you just went, the penny dropped and you went, you know what, I've got to do something else with my life? It was actually the, the sort of the moment was when I was back in Sydney driving um, in 2015. The amount of contamination in rubbish bins and recycling bins, it was, that was the sort of the catalyst to making me study. Really? Because I was really... It's getting frustrated with the systems in place in terms of trying to not just educate residents or people about importance of recycling and contamination in bins, but trying to get council on board as well. And coming from a truck driver, unfortunately, no one really listens to you. And I found even now working in the industry, I can see how that is still relayed in terms of no one really listens to the truck driver. The guys Whereas, who are like working at the coalface, the guys who are seeing this yes, on the ground. and I like being in the industry now, I, I listen to them, whereas in the past, I'm assuming people didn't listen to them because they're the ones doing the work and they yeah. know, you know, any additional bins, what contamination, what streets are parked out, like blah, 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 blah. So I'm going to go to them for the source rather than listen to from wow. a manager or something. I can already see why you're going to be so good at your job and, <laughs> and get it, earning the respect of those guys who are out there on the streets doing the hard yakka. So when you talk about contamination in the bins, what are you talking about specifically? So like in my run was uh, a, a general waste run. So your red littered bins... Just amount of glass, paper, garden waste, food organics waste that was inside a, a general rubbish bin was just basically every single bin. And I was doing averaging 1,200 to 1,300 bins a day, and that's almost every bin was contaminated. It's I say can I, I use that with inverted commas because, like, for if you were to separate it properly, there could still be a turn like a, a contamination percentage rate where. It is contaminated, but it's it can be managed. Whereas mm. if you just put it into a general waste, well, it's not going to get managed because it goes straight to landfill. That's the sort of way we would try and stop the process. But as a rubbish man, no one really sort of listened to me, and I still put in lots of work and you know tried to write down addresses and flagging on my because I had a computer system in the truck where you could pinpoint a, an address on the GPS and it sends a message to back to the office to relay whether a bin hasn't been out or wasn't oh, presented or yeah, it's yeah. contaminated or... I didn't realise that garbage trucks were so sophisticated in the yeah. technology now. Yeah, right. The half a million dollar vehicles, they've got all the electronics in there and trackers Jeez. and... But still, even though they've got all that technology, they're not interested in listening to what the truck drivers have to say about not what's really. really going on inside those bins. Not really, no. Yeah. But at, this, at, at that time, no, not really. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. Wow. This is I the th- thing, you saw a problem and you yeah. thought, I need to fix this. Correct, yeah. So I, so I was just like, no one's sort of listening to me here and... I still had a, a few years, like I'm still I still am playing footy, but I still had a few years of footy left, and I knew well I can't play footy when I'm older, so I may as well make the most of it now while I can, and and then which I did, so I went overseas, played footy, and then I still had that in my mind even when travelling to developing countries. I was just yeah that sort of sort of fueled my passion even more, especially like um, in Egypt when we went to Egypt, there was just. The, river, the rivers were polluted and there was plastic pollution everywhere and it's just like... It's a real shock growing up in this country and you see how clean the beaches are and whatever yeah. and then you go to other countries and they don't care and they just throw it anywhere. Yeah. And it's it's really tough, you know, it's sort of... It was bad to see but it's sort of, as I said, it fueled my passion to, to really want to study and, and make a positive impact rather than just sit in a truck and get angry at the world because no one's listening to me, so... Had you always had a keen environmental streak in you? I suppose from my grandparents, yes, they were Italian immigrants, and they used to, they used to do everything. They used to reuse everything, recycle, like uh, compost. Because yeah. they they'd, they'd grown up in tough times, like yeah, through the war. Correct. Or? Yeah. yeah. So they grew yeah. up through the war, so they never wasted anything and never, you know, took things for granted. And 
still to this day they'll be very conservative with their money and you know because they still think it's you know you gotta you gotta work to eat which is really you know old school mentality but I think sort of that rubs off onto me in terms of you know wanting to make a better impact in society rather than just do the normal normal grind and we can learn a lot of lessons from our uh, parents and grandparents we're not necessarily always listening when we're younger but as we get older maybe it sinks in and you you start to think okay yeah I think they had something there yeah in terms of going to university can you remember that first day because you did the bridging course remotely overseas then you get accepted into Griffith what was it like that very first day you went and sat in a lecture in the been uniform and how old were you I was 27 27 yeah so finally I, you're going to university like nearly 10 years or so after you finished high school yeah so I, I definitely wasn't used to it I was a bit of a class clown in school <laughs> and I was a bit sheltered at the start in terms of sitting up at the back and and but then I sort of I was I was driven because I was paying for this so it was my money that was going technically my money that was going into this so I didn't want to hear you know people speaking up the back so I just I know it's that sort of mature age student sitting up the front and <laughs> taking notes and where I was the complete opposite 10 years ago in terms of you know mucking up in class and <laughs> but still did you feel like you were a fish out of water because a being a mature age student b being back studying for the first time in such a long time or because you, you had such a clear mindset yeah I was very no. I, was, I knew what I wanted and I was going to get it no matter what and it was I think it was a realistic goal to strive for and I ended up getting it yeah, so it, of was just, it was just, I think, having that past experience of not just operational works, but also vi- like visual in terms of seeing things and seeing how processes work, not just to come just straight out of school and go into a, a degree because you're either told that or you think you like it or you're just testing orders. Like, sort of nearly 10 years to, to get something together in, in terms of, you know, test the waters. So I knew what I wanted and I was determined uh-huh. to get it. But given that you hadn't done well in your HSC and you'd been, as by your own admission, the class clown, were there times when it was really tough for you, like really difficult when oh, you were going 100%. through this degree? Yes, yes. There was two subjects that I took that I thought I was going to fail, statistics and chemistry. <laughs> um, and they, like, I constantly put in extra work more than I would with any other subjects because I knew I, I was not going well at them. I got um, tips from the lecturers and the tutors and I kept turning up to the extra classes. Like they had, um, what are they called, um, pass classes? Yeah, peer right. Peer-assisted sessions? Yes, right. And I went to them just so that on paper it would look good because they could say, well, Cameron's been coming to these classes. Yes, he might not be going too well, but maybe we can look for those extra marks. To get, to but that's get. what they want to see. They want to see that you're putting the effort. Yes. In. If you are, they'll help you. Yes, yeah. and that's exactly what, if I can re- recommend anything to any students out there wanting to study. And if you're really going not too well at one, just put in the hard yards because you will get rewarded for it. So it's it's it was yeah. But those two subjects were really tough and sort of a crunching point because I was like, do I really want to do this? And then but I was persistent and I, yeah, I was like, no, nah, I'm doing this. And I didn't go. I I got. I just passed those subjects and that's all I really needed for those and I wasn't if I was like going inspiring to be like a chemical engineer or something well then I'd be, be like oh you know, <laughs> no I really yeah. need to yeah, nail this but yeah. yeah so but I wasn't so when you were going through those challenging stages what was the fire inside you that kept you going 
was it just purely your ambition because you had that set yourself that goal or was it something else? Well, I, I had a picture that I kept sort of close to me. I um on my on my garbage run that I did every Thursday, I always picked up these two bins that were full of recycling, and I ended up putting placing the recycling next to the bin and put a note there: "Can you please recycle these properly?" <laughs> every single Thursday, and I took a your photo. friendly caring Garbo. <laughs> yeah, so I put it there, and that sort of was like you know, if I get through this, I can sort of. People are going to appreciate what I've done to get to this stage and they will hopefully listen to me in, in terms of recycling properly. And that's sort of that picture there with there's like two bins and a couple of bottles, like bottles and cardboard by it. It's, it's still with me. It's, it's a bit emotional, actually. Yeah, yeah no, I um, get it. I get it. So, yeah, that sort of stuck with me and I yeah, just used that as a... Um, as like a sort of, um, like in, in, not ambition, sorry, but like just you know, be determined to get to that stage and, and, and be heard, I suppose. That's extraordinary, I think, that just that you would take the time, you would see a client, a customer that's there not doing the recycling, to actually go and take that garbage and put it in the right place and leave a note and say, hey, listen. <laughs> yeah, can you please do this properly? <laughs> and did you ever get feedback from them? Did they ever change their Nothing. habits? And that's why oh, I was man. so annoyed every single Thursday. I had to, and I, it was just like pilot mode every Thursday. I knew that was there, hopped out, had a look, and it was <sighs> the same every single time. And yeah. it was just like, you know, I tried liaising with the council at the time that I was working for and, um, and the contractor that I worked for. Mm. And it was just, look, I understand why it sort of didn't go through. It's hard to just pinpoint, you know, one resident to a couple of bins because, you know, people can put their stuff in there. It's just there's a few externalities that... But if it's happening week after week and it's the same, that's the same the thing, bins yeah. and it stands to reason it's the same customer. So this is uh, you're working for a council in Sydney? Correct, yes. Yeah, which council was it? Uh, Ramwick. Ramwick Council in the Eastern Suburbs. Sometimes, particularly if you're passionate about something like this, sustainable futures, whatever, and you come across people that just don't care, it's so, it's so frustrating. And it's, like, it's sort of not to say that the, the council or the contractor weren't interested. It was just... They had, a, I suppose, bigger fish to fry, which yeah. is it's I, one, it's, it's it's one customer in yeah. the city of Sydney, like five million people. Exactly, like, yeah. Like, and I understand that, yeah. yeah. And at the time, I sort of didn't realise that. I was really like, why isn't anyone listening to me? Like, and I sort of like, well, now I understand why they, not that they weren't listening to me, but they had, you know, as I said, bigger fish to fry in terms yeah. of you know, other contamination opportunities. So. How do you see yourself now in the position that you're in? Because you've got a job at Brisbane City Council, right? Correct, yes. So you're Waste Contract Service Officer. So what is that job now? Basically just looking after bin infrastructure in the southern region of Brisbane. So uh, residential bins, park mm. bins, litter bins, heading to development applications and making sure they're compliant with their conditions package and their plans are to suit, which isn't the case most of the time. <laughs> so you've got to um, explore those sort of avenues in terms of getting that fixed properly. Basically just being on call to people. Like if like I had to go to a, a gentleman last week that unfortunately put his keys in the bin, so I had to go out there and unlock the bin and get it out there. Oh, so you have to do that sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, that sort oh, of stuff. So you go and rescue people. Basically, yeah. So situations. It's, it's, it's part right. and parcel of the job, so finding it really interesting and enjoying the, um, the journey so far. You've got a Bachelor of Environmental Science now. You Correct. could go anywhere. You don't even have to work in waste collection or for a council or wherever. So yeah. clearly you've got a goal here beyond just what you've reached already with getting your qualification. So you want to change things. You want to change things for the better. So yeah. what is it? And what, what's the goal? Where do I you think, see yourself? I think it's like sort of resource recovery. So finding ways to make use of waste, not just treat it as a, you know, as a nothing, which is what a sort of we're programmed to do at the moment. It's really hard when you, when like Australia is a, as a big nation, we still have this mentality that we've got 
a lot of room in terms of, you know, able to open up landfills, but people don't realise the costs that come with it and the amount of um, environmental degradation that happens from landfills. Mm. That's just one sector of, um, of waste. And then possibly going down the, the sustainability side of things. So I know even looking at behavioural change. So I've worked on, I worked at a, um, a litter prevention stall a couple of weeks ago with Brisbane City Council, just teaching little kids about the importance of um, picking up microplastics and waste prevention. And that sort of really interested me because it's obviously kids are the future of, of this world and they're going to be taking over our mess. So <laughs> That's one way of putting it, but yeah. yes, they will be the custodians of the planet. Yeah. So the two issues you've identified there are both really around education, whether it's understanding the sheer cost of what it takes to look after waste or just down to personal habits of how you're managing it. Mm. So you're really talking about being an educator here, which is perhaps following in your mum's footsteps not quite the same way but have you thought about it in that that sense um yes i i actually i worked as a um as a pool party host um a few years ago <laughs> what else haven't you done <laughs> so I, I worked with kids in terms of like four to twelve years old and you know going down slippery slides and having a good time in the pool and i really enjoyed that work whether i would teach whether i would sort of go on that pathway uh, I, it's really tough i'm like I did a um, I did a school visit to promote litter prevention um, last week, and that was interesting to see all the kids there having fun and you know getting amongst it and and really sort of showing passion for their for their environment. And that really gave me a um, a boost and sort of. But then again, I'd I'd probably have to go back and study some sort of education educational degree, oh, like a dip ed or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, something like that. Which yeah. I'm pretty happy just coming home and lay. Putting your feet up there, yeah, you've take, done the hard work for yeah, a while. Ta- taking the dog for a walk. <laughs> Do you think, though, you've got a taste for further study now that you've completed this goal, you've got a degree as a mature age student? Do you think at some stage, maybe not in the next few years, but maybe later in your life that you might actually go back? Quite possibly. At the moment, very occasionally I um I do a bit of um like I do caring work so I'm a carer as well just um infrequently because I because I got this full-time job so I still have this caring job on the side what kind of care like a disability yeah. A disability yeah, yeah um and that's sort of um even the waste in in um in health and like hospitals and whatnot that's another massive problem yeah um so I was just going off a tangent there no um, no <laughs> the study um I've applied to do a cert three in disability care so I'm just slowly getting through that but as I said, when I get home of the day, like I don't want to do any more study, but I'm just contemplating sort of getting that and maybe pairing the the environmental science and the and the cert three together to maybe possibly go down an avenue of working within like the health precinct and maybe yeah, right. coming up with to try and alleviate waste issues in the health sector, like in terms of plastics and like because obviously you can only use things once in a in a health setup. That's just like, you know, that's the tip of the iceberg. And then wow, just, you are turning into an environmental crusader. I can <laughs> see this now. <laughs> so. Have you always been very vocal in terms of causes that interested you? Or is this something that's just evolved out of seemingly nowhere simply by working as a garbo? Yeah, basically just, just working. Like even when I was working on the building sites, I really didn't think much of, you know, reusing um, like example, like I worked as a, a bricky's labourer. I didn't really think about using these half bricks. I just chucked them away and stuff. And then mm. when I was on the the back of the garbage truck, and then just like emptying these bins, and just the people sometimes just don't care about what they put in yeah. their bins. You know, rubbish in a paper bin and and glass in a in a green waste bin. And it's mm. like I think it's quite simple just to be like, well, this goes there, that goes there, and this goes there. Yeah, yeah. But to some people, it's it's, it's just it's it's rocket science. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, exactly. yeah, it's, so, it's all too hard. Yeah. 
Can I ask you, in terms of your study experience, you talked about the challenges of it and the help that you got from your lecturers and, yeah. and taking those past classes for chemistry and... Statistics. Statistics, that was yeah. the other one, yeah. In terms of your study experience, like, how would you rate it, do you think? Particularly as a mature age student and someone who didn't have an academic past, your experience of studying at Griffith. Yes, it was really awesome. I had some great mentors there. And just the process, like, as, as I said before, if you want to do well, like Griffith, I'm assuming any university would want you to do your best that you can do. And they have the avenues there, like these past classes. I just, I didn't go to just those two classes. I went for a few of them just because I wanted to, I was either really interested in the topic or in this, or in the subject. So I just wanted extra help or like, so, and that was completely off my own back. You didn't have to go to these things, but yeah. the option is there to do it. And I'm thinking as well, like I'm, I'm paying for this. So I want to get as much as I can out of it um, rather than just do the bare minimum like yep. I did in school. So. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? A bit of life experience and maturity, how that can change your attitude. Correct, yeah. In that LinkedIn post, you talked about all the people who have some way influenced you and challenged yourself and the impact, the positive impact they've had on your life. Who are some of those people and, and in what ways did they influence you? Um, so my old collections manager from Ramwick, Ramwick Council in Sydney, he, I told him, like we, had, we were chatting most days and whatnot, and he was sort of leaning me towards going into academia in terms of studying and whatnot because of the drive and the passion that I had for, for contamination and waste. Yeah. And, and little did I know that, yes, that drive um, for passion and recycling was there, but it's sort of going coming to going to study sort of unleashed a new other potentials, you know, not just recycling, but I've really taken an interest in Indigenous studies and First Nations work. Like just things that I wouldn't have thought I would have um, I would have liked or yeah. been accustomed to, and now that I've been exposed to them, and just in terms of you know say like indigenous people like caring for their land, so they you know they reuse things and they eat things like and, and they use things off an animal that you know sometimes as Westerners we just eat you know a little bit of an animal and yeah, throw right. the rest away like they so that but that coming from that sustainability sort of approach. And that's where I sort of tied in the few there. but And your um, waste manager actually enlightened you on that front? Yeah, or? he just said, you know, you've got such a, a passion here. I th- really think you should excel in it and yeah. either go and study or do some sort yeah. of certificate, like a certificate. But was he Indigenous? Or I'm just, no, 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 no. This So, sorry, just going back. He was more in terms of, you know, you've got a passion for recycling and contamination. Capitalise on that. And then once I went to university and that ex- oh, opened up expanded, my... Yeah, expanded, did, which yeah. I didn't think I would enjoy. Yeah, yeah. But you're back to my manager... He was just sort of yeah, pointing me in that direction. And then when I eventually, I met up with him a few months ago, he's like, you know, well done, mate. That's awesome. You know, you've, he, he actually wrote a LinkedIn um, uh, comment for me, like a recommendation. So it's really, it was really nice of him. And I'm still keeping contact with him. And it's nice to sort of be appreciated as like as a garbo because he's <laughs> he listened to me and he yeah. was, you know, battling for me as much as he could to yes. his extent. And that sort of, you know, that, that kept me hungry for more. So. Just tell me what it was like on graduation day, what that felt like, because you never th- said five years ago you would have laughed if someone had told you that you'd, you'd end up with a degree at university. Oh, I, what I did suffer- it feel like? Oh, I, I cried, basically. <laughs> like, it was, a bit, it was a bit daunting because I thought I would never get here. And just sitting down there and then, you know, getting marched up to the podium and with my paper in my hand, I'm just being like, I've, I've made it. It's just an awesome feeling. Yeah, it's, Even talking about it now, it's getting me really emotional. As I said, I never thought I would get there and that's why I put that post up because I'm just like, you know, this is something really close to my heart and, you know, I've worked really hard for it and I've come from a, you know, a operations background to turn it into something more is, yeah, it's awesome. I think you said something like, uh, before we started recording, something like 10,000 uh, reactions to your post on LinkedIn. Yeah. Is that 
amazed you at how much support you've got from not only the people who have mentored you along the way, but just complete strangers who are so encouraging about what you've achieved. Yes, and that's the amazing thing that I, you know, I'm, I'm just a garbo. Like I'm just a no, you know, an no, average. I'm an average <laughs> fellow that just you know, I did an unskilled job just because I enjoyed the work, and it sort of, it opened me up to this world of things that I never then I never thought that I would do and and then to be you know to be people saying you've inspired me and that it's what a great story and it's just it's really it was, I, was, I was crying the first couple of days because like I'm even starting to fall out a bit now like it's just it's amazing how many people I've I don't know I've inspired over the, over this week or so it's been on there and that I never thought I would and yeah. it's just there was a few like there's a fair few students on there and stuff that have not come from similar backgrounds but everyone's got a different story on there and it's such a great platform to put it on there but yeah just got going back to the people like reacting and stuff it's just yeah it's really amazing and i'm really fortunate that you know this platform has given me that voice because otherwise it probably wouldn't have got heard and not that it's like you know a um a massive story but i'm glad of, i've affected people in a positive way rather than, you know, in, in, in the negative ways. As I think it's a massive story in the making. I think you're underselling yourself here a bit, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what about other mentors? Like maybe um, were there ones at Griffith? Or, yep. There yeah. was a, um, my biodiversity tutor, Claire Morrison. She was, yeah, great, great in terms of mentoring me. She helped me attain a student placement with the Gold Coast Council in their landfills department. Right. Um, so she was advocating for me for their thing how I sort of got into better contact with her is I did an, an, an assignment about um, bee diversity on the Gold Coast right. and she marked me, she gave me a HD for that assignment and that was my first HD that I've ever got in my life. <laughs> like I was used to just, you know, passes and and participation awards. Yeah. 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 Is it framed on the wall now? Yeah. <laughs> so that was, yeah, when, when she saw that and because I sort of reached out because we, we were just chatting and said, oh, I'd like to do a, um, I'm from the waste background, so I'd like to do something, you know, in contamination or landfills. Like, oh, I know someone in landfills. I was like, oh, great. So then, yeah, that ended up coming to fruition. And yeah, she's, I was still talking with her every now and then, but no, she was she really helped me excel at and, and propelled me into going, you know, striving for better and whatnot. Sure. It's more than just the piece of paper, the qualification, and the job that you hold now too. I mean, I, I'm just wondering, how has your life changed? Ah, uh, it's yeah, it's it's sort of, it's I'm trying to think. It's it's sort of in a sense where, like, as a garbage man, like, I am very good money, like very good money. I could have stayed on that wage and be lived quite a comfortable life wherever it was, mm. uh, wherever I could be. But I knew that if I did, like, if I didn't pursue that sort of ambition of wanting to study and wanting to to make meaningful work don't get me wrong garbos do meaningful work and they mm. do create a service and whatnot but for mm. me I, I needed something more to yep. to get get more out of it and i think now i'm so glad that yes i'm on significantly less money than i was five years ago um that's <laughs> here's an, the irony yeah <laughs> it's really annoying you think you know you educate yourself more but i know it's an investment and i will hopefully get to that monetary value a bit later on in my life and then it should play catch up from there yeah, and sure. that's that's the mindset I had I knew it's an investment and it's not going to happen overnight mm. sort of like you know planting a planting a seed and then you know water it and then you know after six months or a year you get some you know your fruits or your flowers or whatever so I sort of use that analogy that it's an investment that you know five ten years twenty years time you're going to reap the rewards it's not just about the money is it because you yes you could have stayed there and, and had a decent living but it wasn't enough to satisfy you. You saw a problem that was really eating away at you. You could not have 
no matter how much money they're paying you, I don't think you could have stayed there and kept no. doing it, could you? Exactly, yeah, I couldn't have. And ever since, it's a bit cliche, because when you go travelling, you know, you sort of find yourself and all that sort of Yahoo. <laughs> I, um, it's sort of like... Which life, you really did. Yeah, life's, <laughs> life's full of adventures. And if you, for me, if I was just to do the same thing for 40 years, that's not really an, an adventure in a, in, a, in a sense. And that's sort of the mentality that I took, that I've taken since... So where to from here? You've got this role with Brisbane City Council. Where do you see yourself? Surely the commute isn't the best thing in your life. At no, the moment. it'd be nice to have a job closer to home. Yeah, and I'm sort of um, I like this quote: um, "Time is an unrenewable resource." So you'll never get, you know, half an hour that we've just spent here at the moment. I'll never get that back. But I know that. I'm sorry I'm... for stealing it. I apologise already, but I'll recycle it later when I publish it. Yes. <laughs> oh uh, my! But that's uh, that's. I'm wanting to do that and I'm striving and I think that like the time going to Brisbane is, yeah, it's sort of, I've got either got to make better use of it or try and do something more productive rather than just sitting on my phone and listening to music. So I've got to try and see if I can make good decisions with that time. But no, the, the work itself is really rewarding and I feel like I'm making a positive impact. I can see already, Cameron, that as I said, you've, You've got the passion. It's there. I would be very surprised if you didn't do something really amazing and really influential in sustainable circles, which would just be incredible. So it's the most precious resource we've got. We've got to look after it. Correct. Well, congratulations. And uh, I'm sure the fruits of your labour will pay dividends in ways that you couldn't even possibly have imagined maybe even five weeks ago, let alone five years ago. So best of luck in the future. I don't think you really need it. I think your drive and your ambition to succeed is already there. So, mate, go well. Thank you very much. Emotional? Yes. Passionate? Yes. But more than that, exceptional. Yet, just like so many other students I've spoken to in this series, Cameron Del Moro doesn't realise how exceptional he is. And that's a large part of the reason why he's truly grateful for his achievement. Cameron has done so much in his life, but the real adventure is only just beginning. There's nothing that inspires quite like someone who has such a passion for their convictions. They're the real game changers in this world. And the future of our world is in much better hands thanks to the likes of Cameron Del Moro. If you'd like to discover more of the remarkable student stories from this series, you'll find them at www.studygoldcoast.org.au slash podcast. My name is Trevor Jackson, and I'll catch you next time for Tomorrow Is Mine.